Hello and welcome to All Things Small Business, brought to you by DAU. I'm Ken Karka, DAU Small Business Learning Director. This series is offered as a continuing dialogue between government, industry, and academia on acquisition-related issues that impact small businesses who support the critical defense industrial base. Let's join today's conversation. Welcome to All Things Small Business. I'm your host, Anthony Rotolo, and this is the show where acquisition and small business meet. We bring together business owners, contract experts, policymakers, and stakeholders, and we explore the issues facing small business and acquisition professionals as they work together to overcome challenges in a government and defense context. With me for today's show is Sam Lee. Sam Lee is the Director of Policy, Planning, and Liaison with the U.S. Small Business Administration's Office of Government Contracting and Business Development. He is responsible for small business government contracting regulations, small business size standards, and small business contracting goals for executive agencies. Sam, welcome to All Things Small Business. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you. There's some interesting things going on in this space relating to service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. That's a bit of a mouthful, so I plan to revert between that and SDVOSB as we go. The acronym doesn't help much, Sam, I have to tell you, but I'm glad for a shorter way to say it just the same. Why don't we begin there, though? I'd like to start with an overview of the SDVOSB program. Just tell us a little bit about its history and what it is. Thank you. Certainly. Again, thanks for having me on this important topic. Uh, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the service-disabled, better-known small business program. But we'll start with the creation of the program. Uh, at the end of the last century, in 1999, Congress passed an act, the Veterans Entrepreneurship and Small Business Development Act, creating a 3% government-wide contracting goal for contracting with service-disabled, veteran-owned small businesses. We still have that 3% government-wide goal today. Uh, at first, when Congress first passed that 3% goal, the government was well behind the goal. Uh, for several years, the government didn't even reach 1%. And as a result, Congress came and passed another act in 2006, uh, the Veterans Benefits Healthcare and Information Technology Act, that put special requirements on the Department of Veterans Affairs to work with uh, veteran-owned and service-abled veteran-owned small businesses. And in addition, Congress provided other agencies, agencies outside of the VA, with the ability to set aside contracts and even in some circumstances award sole source contracts to service-abled veteran-owned small business uh, concerns. And that's the situation we're in today. Agencies have set aside and sole source authority. The VA has special authority uh, as well as special responsibilities. But as a result of these initiatives from agencies and Congress, the government is has not just met the 3% goal, but exceeded it by a fairly large margin recently. So for example, in uh, fiscal year 2020, as a government, the uh, government awarded four 
0.2% of contracts to small business uh, owned and controlled by service-abled veterans, far exceeding that 3% goal. So that's a, that's a great history. A bit of failing forward. It wasn't working too well in the beginning, but there were other acts and measures put into place that helped it succeed and, and meet those goals. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, sh- I should mention also that this is not just prime contracting. Uh, we usually at SBA focus mostly on the prime contracts, but there's also a subcontracting goal too. Uh, that's the same number. It's 3% government-wide. And each agency gets the same goal for both prime contracting and subcontracting on service-abled veteran. My office at SBA is responsible for negotiating goals with agencies on prime contracting, subcontracting for service-abled veteran. It's very easy. We give 3% for prime, 3% per sub, and then the agencies are graded through what we call the SBA scorecard on whether they meet those goals. Thank you, Sam. Now, within that government-wide program, how is DOD performing in contracting with SDVOSB? Well, it's a bit of a, a good story and a not so good story on DOD. The good story is for the metric that we pay the most attention to for prime contracting, DOD is meeting and exceeding its goal. The DOD goal, like all other agencies, is 3% for prime contracting with SDVOSB. And DOD exceeded that in last fiscal year that we have on record, which was fiscal year 2020. Uh, DOD reached 3.22% in fiscal year 2020. And it looks like from the preliminary data that we have for fiscal year 2021, DOD will very likely meet and exceed the 3% goal for that fiscal year as well. The not so good news is on the subcontracting goal. Uh, DOD did not meet the subcontracting goal in fiscal year 2020. Uh, It achieved 2.2% as a Department of Defense. And it's too early to tell for fiscal year 2021 whether DOD is going to meet that subcontracting goal for the next year. Uh, To to be clear, all these goals get inputted into the SBA scorecard that we issue every year uh, that will be expressed for all agencies as a grade, just like your your score in school, it'll be an A or a B or a C for agencies based on whether they met these various prime and subcontracting goals for areas like service-disabled veteran, as well as women-owned small business or contracting with hub-zone businesses uh, or contracting with small businesses generally. And you'll expect to see that scorecard in the next few months from SBA. Are there any measures being taken, any suggestions for increasing performance on the subcontracting front? Yes. Agencies need to pay special attention to subcontracting with the various socioeconomic groups like service-abled, veteran-owned, and hub-zoned, and women-owned small business. Uh, They do so by making sure that these goals are clear in the subcontracting plans that agencies negotiate with their contractors and enforcing those plans. The subcontractors are reported up through um, an electronic system, ESRS, to the agencies on uh, at least an annual basis. So the agencies can keep track of whether or not the contractors they're working with are meeting their subcontracting plan goals. And then those subcontracting plan goals roll into the agency's subcontracting achievements. So it's important that agencies read those reports, see whether their contractors are meeting their goals. And if they're not, to take some measures against those contractors. It can be working with the contractor individually to make sure that it finds all the 
possible subcontractors are out there, or in some dire circumstances, perhaps even levying penalties, liquidated damages, or uh, past performance measures against those contractors that are not complying with their subcontracting plans. Okay. So there, again, some specific incentives or disincentives to help generate the kind of performance that we would want to see. Certainly. It's a bit of a carrot and a stick. You know, if, if you do well, then that's good for your past performance. It's good for getting future contracts. If you don't do well, you could be losing a lot of money through liquidated damages. Now, in the bigger picture, how is the program evolving? In other words, what are some of the things on the horizon or how is the program being updated? Well, we're in a big area of transition right now. As I mentioned, the VA has a special program. The Department of Veterans Affairs has a special program for contracting with veteran-owned small businesses and service-stabled veteran-owned small businesses. And for about five to 10 years now, participants in those programs have pointed out that the government is really running two separate programs. There's a program that I'm involved in at SBA, and then there's a separate program at the VA. So over the years, Congress has acted to try to bring those programs closer together. Uh, there was an effort a couple of years ago to change the regulations so that the two programs used a common set of regulations. And then during that same process, we put all the legal authority in the same set of judges. Uh, there's judges at SBA that handle all the cases that come through about these programs. Now, the two agencies are in the process of consolidating their programs so that there's going to be one agency that certifies service-abled veteran-owned small businesses, and it's going to be SBA, and that SBA will do so for the entire government. So it is a very big transition for all service-abled veteran-owned small businesses. It's a very big transition at SBA, too, because there are a lot of businesses out there that will have to come through to SBA to get their certifications. Okay. I think I want to ask you more about that in a moment. But first, let's talk about the qualifications as we stay in the, the rudiments of this. For a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business, what are the qualifications? How do you get qualified as one? Sure. It's, it's really quite simple. There's really two requirements. Um, I'll, I'll speak briefly about what some might say is a third requirement, but two primary requirements. The business has to be owned by a service-disabled veteran and the business has to be controlled by a service-disabled veteran. Uh, those two requirements get much more complicated as you start to look at what SBA means by owning a company and what SBA means by controlling a company. To own a company, it's not just that the service-disabled veteran have 51% of the ownership of a company. That ownership has to be direct. It has to be complete. Uh, there cannot be a owner that has the ability to take over ownership of the company in order for the firm to qualify as a service-abled, better-known small business. Uh, you not believe all the cases that we get about contested ownership or rights of first refusal or other things that uh, complicate the ownership of the service-abled veteran and result in the firm being disqualified as a service-abled, better-known small business. So ownership is the is the number one requirement. The number two requirement is that a service-abled veteran control the SDVO SBC. And SBA has a number of sub-requirements that fall into that control requirement. First, the service-abled veteran has to have the highest officer position in the company. So that might be CEO or president, but you can't have, say, a president that's a non-veteran and then 
the service-abled veteran be the vice president. That's not going to qualify for control. Right. It's these almost like these proxy tricks of qualifying will disqualify you. It has to be clearly, unequivocally owned by a service-disabled veteran. So I, I think that's the gist of what you're saying. Right. There's, there's a, we've seen a lot of cases out there, unfortunately, where firms claim to be owned and controlled by service-disabled veterans. But when we look more closely, it's really not. Um, and so we've addressed those through cases and regulations over the years to deal with the most common situations where we think the firm really shouldn't be considered to be owned and controlled by a service-disabled veteran. Sam, I want to speak with you a little bit about protests. I understand that that's kind of a hot topic recently. How do they come about and how would an agency be in a position to file its own protest? The protests come about when there's an interested party. It might be the agency. It might be another business that believes that the firm that won the award, the service-abled veteran-owned firm that won the award, is not really eligible as a service-abled veteran-owned firm. Maybe it's because the firm shouldn't be considered to be owned uh, by a service-abled veteran. Maybe it's because the service-abled veteran doesn't have the requisite control. Uh, it could be the, the veteran lives far from the company location. So these protests arise quite commonly, but you have to have a reason to protest a firm. Most commonly, it's ownership and control. The third reason that we're starting to see more is that the service-abled veteran-owned firm is not in control of the contract. We have something called the ostensible subcontractor rule, which says that if there's a subcontractor that really is controlling the contract, that's really doing the work on the contract, then that might disqualify the service-abled veteran-owned firm from being eligible to receive the award. So we primarily see protests in those situations, uh, first ownership, second control, and then third is this ostensible subcontractor rule. Now, I think related to this, Sam, there is a DOD IG report. It is 2020-063. It came out February 18th of 2020. And it has to do with audit of DOD service-disabled veteran-owned small business contract awards. What is the significance of that report at this time? Yeah, the DOD IG researched uh, a few dozen SDVO firms and found that DOD had awarded to a few firms that did not seem to comply with those ownership and control requirements. So the IG came back to DOD and recommended that DOD ensure that the contracting workforce know about these requirements, the ownership and control requirements, and understand how to go about filing a protest or uh, working with SBA to investigate the status of a firm if necessary. And Sam, where can contracting professionals find additional information about protest procedures and their responsibilities? Yes, they can find the protest information in their Bible, the Federal Acquisition Regulation, the FAR. It's at FAR 19.307 that provides the procedures on protesting a firm status as a service-abled veteran-owned small business concern. But as with most things, small business, there's a lot more information with SBA. So at SBA, we have four regulations all at part 125 in our regulations that cover who can protest the status, what the requirements are, what the grounds are, uh, the timelines for SBA processing an SDVO protest. So if you really want to learn more details about how this protest works, you can go to SBA's regulations. Those start at 
13 CFR 125.27. Of course, you can also find information on SBA's website, uh, sba.gov. And uh, I, I might have mentioned that SBA has a group of judges that decide cases about service-abled, veteran-owned small businesses. All those decisions are also available on SBA's website. That's sba.gov slash OHA. That stands for the Office of Hearings and Appeals, our OHA. That's good to know. I would really like you to paint the picture for us so we can we can see it a little bit better. It's one thing to hear about you know, in the abstract, what the rules are and, and where guidance exists. But what are some examples from real life, some recent significant protest decisions? And if you could flesh it out with some specifics. Sure. We had one case that was about that control element uh, that comes up in a lot of different cases. And that's the requirement that a service-abled veteran control the small business in order to be considered an SDVO SBC. One of the requirements for controlling the business is having the managerial experience and training for the industry where the business was located uh, or is operating. So what we have uh, in some cases is uh, a business is in one industry and that veteran doesn't really have the experience in that industry. And that came up in one recent case, SDVE was the name of the case. Uh, That was a business that was bidding on a construction contract, in fact, had been awarded the contract. But then a protest came in and uh, alleged that the veteran did not have the experience to run the company. At one point, that veteran was a mechanic, uh, had no experience in uh, working with that company. And and the judge said, well, at that point, it's true that that veteran did not have the experience to run the company. More recently, however, because that company has won a few more contracts and gotten some experience. Uh, that veteran was uh, at the point where SBA would consider the veteran to have the managerial, managerial experience and training in order to control the company. Uh, we also have a lot of cases that come in about whether the veteran has ownership rights. Uh, oftentimes, these businesses will be 51% owned by a veteran and 49% owned by a non-veteran. And the question really becomes, how much control can that 49% owner have over the company? And there are a lot of cases that found that that 49% owner does not qualify as a, uh, or disqualifies the firm from being a service-abled veteran-owned small business. You have situations where the 49% owner has the ability to terminate the company or to make uh, decisions on behalf of the company. Uh, the rule says, and the requirements are that the service company So if you have that 49% owner have, say, a right of first refusal or the ability to terminate the company or make big decisions for the company, that's not going to pass under what SBA has put out for the rules for the service-able veteran-owned program. Very helpful. I appreciate your giving us a, a sketch of what happens in reality. What I wanted to ask you next, Sam, was something you touched on a little bit earlier. It's It's about how the Veterans Administration and the Small Business Administration both have roles relating to service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. I understand that there is a transition. You began talking about that. What is happening precisely? Yes, we are in the middle of a big transition from the VA to SBA. It's required by Congress, and Congress put a date on it in this case. The date is to have that transition completed by 2023. So we're really just about eight months away from having this transition occur. Where we are right now is we're looking at 
how the electronic systems work right now. If you apply for certification, you go to VA's website to apply for that service-abled veteran-owned certification. And that's that's fairly seamless because VA already has the information about whether an individual qualifies as a veteran. When that moves to SBA, we're going to have to figure out how do we get all that information from the VA to verify the veteran status for the owner. Uh, also, we're going to have to get all the previous certifications from the VA. Uh, in addition, not just on the system side, we have to figure out how we're going to deal with this in regulation. The VA's regulations discuss that the firm has to be certified by the VA. That's going to have to change. In addition, all the other agencies are going to have to change. The uh, SBA is going to be responsible not just for certifying firms that apply for contracts in the VA, but for firms that apply for any sort of service-abled veteran-owned set aside across the government. That could be a contract with DOD. It could be a contract with GSA. But SBA is going to certify for all of these contracts. That's going to be a, a big lift for SBA in terms of our workforce, our systems. We've been learning a lot from the VA as we've looked more closely at their systems, and uh, we'll be ready when the time comes. What is the vision for this? Is this an attempt to streamline things, to consolidate things and make it simpler for everybody concerned? I think that's right. There were some questions early on with having two different standards of certification and veterans potentially hearing one thing from SBA and another thing from the VA. And um, also there was a recognition that SBA certifies other types of small businesses. We have the 8A business development program for disadvantaged businesses. We have a women-owned small business certification and a certification for hub-zone businesses. So it made sense in terms of uh, making sure that there's efficiency in government, that all the certifications for small businesses stay with one agency, and that's the SBA. Sounds like a good goal. Now, if an agency needs help with regard to SDVOSB program resources, where do they go? Do they go to, to SBA? Are there other sources? Sure, they can come to SBA. We have area offices across the country that work with agencies on any number of small business issues. Most large procuring activities also have a procurement center representative that's assigned to them. That's an SBA employee that has the job of working with procurement activities uh, to execute on the small business programs. If you have a question about these protests in particular, we also have an email address uh, where you can send the protest and ask questions about the protest. It's sdvosbprotest at sba.gov. So you can send an email to that address. Sam, thank you. That's very helpful. And I want to let everyone know, listening, that Closer to Home, DAU has an online course. It is called CLC009. Service Disabled Veteran-Owned Small Business Program. It's available in the DAU iCatalog, and the course takes approximately two hours to complete. We're also going to be revising it. It's going to be brought up to date regarding compliance with the DODIG recommendation that we discussed earlier, so a great resource to avail yourselves of. Sam, as we wind down, do you have any closing thoughts for us today? The Biggest thought is just to stay tuned on what's happening with this transition from VA to SBA on the certification for SDVOSBs. Uh, we'll probably be coming out with some proposed guidance within the next two months or so. Uh, and there'll be a public comment period where you or uh, businesses can chime in on how this transition is going, any changes SBA should make. 
uh, before the transition. And then when 2023 comes around, we'll be going live and it'll I'll come over to SBA. Fantastic. Sam, very helpful. My guest has been Sam Lee of the U.S. Small Business Administration. Sam, thanks for being a part of all things small business today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. This is Ken Karkoff once more. I want to thank our guests for participating in today's conversation. Your insights and perspectives will surely help our listeners. And an invitation to our listeners, if you'd like to participate as a guest in a future conversation, please reach out to me at kenneth.karkoff at dau.edu. Till next time, stay engaged and collaborate across your networks. Everyone's talents and skills are needed within the defense industrial base as we fulfill the national defense strategy together.